you know, people don't necessarily talk about about the difficulties of new parenting and mm-hmm. mental health issues. Um, so, but I quickly learned that sleep was the number one crisis, and that's where I could help. So people started calling me asking, can you help me sleep train my baby? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Power Up Women, our cross-generational, cross-cultural conversation about leadership, power, gender, and social justice. I'm Ann Doyle. My co-host, Dana Harvey, will be back with us next week because every now and then we like to share one of our most popular previous podcasts of our over 80 episodes recorded so far. Baby sleep training has been downloaded the most. Plus, we just celebrated Mother's Day, and there is no greater gift for moms of all ages than a good night's sleep for the whole family. So this episode with Natalie Navaris, founder of Mommy Wise, was recorded in early 2019. But the stresses of the COVID-19 pandemic, particularly on mothers, were all the more reason to once again share Natalie's expertise and valuable advice. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Powering Up, a cross-generational conversation about female power, what it looks like, why it's important, and the many fascinating ways women and girls are claiming power these days, individually and collectively. I'm Ann Doyle, author of Powering Up, How America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. And I'm Monica Doyle. The topic today is baby sleep training. Um, It may seem like a little bit of an unusual topic for some people. Um, I think it's actually a really interesting topic myself, having uh, some friends who are very recently becoming parents. I'm starting to see sort of the power of being a mom from my friends. Uh, But parenting, which usually begins with babies, is a very important part of many women's lives. And if your baby isn't sleeping, chances are pretty good that you're not sleeping very well either. (laughs) So being able to sleep is all about powering up, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, because getting enough sleep has got to be one of the most important things we can all do to empower ourselves. And it's actually been kind of a long time since my son, Kevin, was waking me up for middle of the night feedings. And and I was actually pretty lucky because as a baby, he was a pretty good sleeper. But I also know the fact is there are millions of mothers of infants and very young children who are walking around sleep deprived for months. And a well-rested mom is probably one of the best gifts you can give a child. So we have two great guests to talk about all this. Natalie Navaris is the owner and founder of Mommy Wise. She is one of the top recognized sleep training experts in the country for babies and parents. And she's been written about in the Wall Street Journal and New York Family Magazine, and also recently featured on CBS This Morning. So welcome, Natalie. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me, and. And where are you? I know you live in New York, but uh, I think you've been doing some training in Florida recently. Where are you right now? Yeah, so I'm between Florida trips. Right now I'm in New York, but um, back in, going back to Orlando next, next week. Okay. 
Also joining us from Milwaukee is my cousin Margaret Doyle Siebers, a mother of two young girls, three-year-old Violet and 14-month Frances. I'm sure she'll have a lot of great questions for Natalie um, and experience to share. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Monica. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's start with you, Natalie, in terms of um, talking about Mommy Wise, your business and why you got into this and had a feeling that there were an awful lot of women out there who could use those services. Sure, absolutely. Well, it started with my own experience. Before I even had a baby, I spent years in fertility clinics trying to become a mother. Um, And right before I did become a mother, I was in a near-death accident in Africa, um, came home and had a whole lot of PTSD, but then I became pregnant and became a mother and started feeling the sleep deprivation myself and the going to back to work transition led to a a very serious case of postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, I was only sleeping about eight hours a week. Wow. And I was losing Uh, my mind. Wow. Um, I had two kids back to back. Um, Second one just sort of came spontaneously. (laughs) Um, he was a lucky Mm -hmm. he was a lucky surprise (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but far too soon Um, and I was severely depressed for three years but it went undiagnosed I sleep trained my babies really young I needed them to sleep because I needed to work and function and I had so much anxiety that I couldn't even be with them in the bed anyways Um, Mm -hmm. so Really, I started this company after I recovered from depression. Mm-hmm. It was three years of my life when my kids were really young that I I don't really have any fond memories of. I didn't sleep. <laughs> I didn't feel well. I still had to go to work every day and come home and be a parent. Um, and I didn't know how bad it was until I finally got treated for depression and met my kids for the first time, really. <laughs> Wow. Um, well, tell us. So tell, that experience <laughs> made me realize that I'm not the only one alone. Right. I'm not the only one who experiences this kind of difficulty in the beginning of parenting. Um, and I wanted to help other women. I wanted to help other women so that I could help, you know, the whole families. Um, yeah, that's how it started. Well, tell us then about your approach. What is the work that Mommy Wise does now? Well, at first it was just volunteer work helping moms in crisis. I didn't didn't even really know what the crisis was. I was just writing about the dark side of parenting and like the things that you don't you know people don't necessarily talk about about the difficulties of new parenting and mm-hmm. mental health issues. Um, so, but I quickly learned that sleep was the number one crisis, and that's where I could help. So people started calling me and asking, can you help me sleep train my baby? Mm. And, you know, the more I started showing up and helping people with this problem, the more I realized that was the gateway to all of the crisis, that once the families started to feel better because they feel guilty when their babies aren't sleeping, they're not functioning at work. So by me coming and helping families with sleep, 
I started to see the ripple effect mm-hmm. of how that impacted marriages, relationships with children, um, and women's ability to work outside of the home. Um, so from there, it led to me helping families sleep and really quitting my job and focusing full time on serving and supporting new parents who are in crisis. And, and I had a great business mentor at the time who said, look, just go out and, and talk to new mothers, find really where the crisis is and offer to support them. And everybody wanted help with sleep. And the more I started doing it, the more people started asking for it. And it just kind of exploded from there. People started hearing about what I do. Um, and I do something very different because I, I actually stay with families the entire time. Well, before we get into that, before we get into that, let's get Margaret in here. Yeah. So, okay. Margaret, um, I know you've always, like your whole life, you've always had a very different way of doing things. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience becoming a mother and um, parenting your two children? Sure. Specific um, to this topic of sleep. Yes, of yeah. sleep, your experience. Uh-huh. Um, well, m- my older daughter, Violet, oh, she's actually, she's four and a half now. Uh, and when she was born, she was a really, um, really easygoing baby. She was happy to lay down in her little rocker and just look at the room, be by herself sometimes. And she was sleeping six out. Like I was able to get six hours of sleep a night by the time she was three months old, um, which I understand is rare. <laughs> um, you know, there were some definitely some really difficult nights before that. Um, she had a difficult time gaining weight at first, and so I had to get up really often to nurse her and pump milk throughout the night every two hours for a little while, and that was it's so it's such a strange experience to do that sort of thing to just be up all the time um and um so that was with violet she she kind of got to be sleeping pretty well at a at a young age uh which i knew was unique and i was very thankful for um because i've always personally been a good sleeper uh mm-hmm. and and like to sleep and get lots of sleep then when francis was born um she is just completely different um as you said earlier she's 14 months and she still wakes up one to three times a night um and she's loud she's a really loud kid in the middle of the night um and very persistent and very determined uh and i it was a couple months ago that I was talking to my husband and, and like kind of doing the math and thinking like, oh my gosh, I haven't slept through the night in a year. <laughs> so this and is what we're talking about. Because of Francis. Yeah, it was horrible because I love to sleep and, you know, not sleeping, it makes me angry. It makes me uh, like just, you know, you're just not functioning at 100%. Um what so, are you hearing there, Natalie? Yeah, I'm hearing a familiar story. Um, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you never get that lucky twice. 
So, yeah, you know, I had the same thing. My first kid was a dream. She slept through the night by the time she was eight weeks old. I learned that it was very dangerous to say that in public. <laughs> that other, it was just not fair and, and cruel to other parents who were struggling. And then I had my second kid and I realized, like, oh, this is what hard is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what like people are always asking about like oh how's he sleeping um so let's get yeah. to the solution yeah i mean what are the some of the things that can be done so from our end really what we're doing is going into people's home and helping them learn the difference between their habits the baby's habits and needs and we're separating them out we're helping them change the baby's sleep associations from from newborn associations. So like when you have a baby, you nurse your baby, you rock the baby, you do all these things where the baby kind of sleeps in motion or on the go. But eventually when they get so big, you want to put them down is exactly about the same time that they start to wake up and not be newborns anymore. So the solution really is just helping them learn how to go to sleep without nursing and rocking and bouncing and doing all the things um, and really giving them the space to learn how to learn the new skill of falling asleep independently like an older child. So <laughs> what are some like, of the like techniques involved with that? Is that something that has to be learned over time or is that something that has sort of, you know, a slightly quick fix? Well, there are all different kinds, and this is the, this is where you know where I come in as a very personalized service where I work individually with families. I have a team of people who work with families, and I train women across the country as well to do the work that I do. Um, it's very different. Um, most people read books and they try and sleep train their babies on their own by um, doing this or doing that. Some people say you have to go in and out of the room every three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes until your baby falls asleep and then you have to do that all night long until your baby eventually sleeps through the night very very difficult to do for both night and day when you're already sleep deprived so we find that that often doesn't work so well for families Mm -hmm. and they end up coming to us saying our baby's been crying for six weeks we've been trying desperately to sleep train her but she just cries and cries and cries and cries and then we give up and we pick her up and then she cries more and then she gets confused and other people will say just close the door and don't go in for 12 hours that's what um the most major yikes that's I mean, what the largest pediatric practice here tells families is that eight weeks just close the door don't go in for 12 hours they don't need to eat for 12 hours and that's a bit extreme right that <laughs> sounds hours, horrible 12 hours sounds like that. a lot but I've, um, I've heard that at a certain point you have to just, you know, let them develop this. You're going to sleep for this amount of time to get used to it. I don't know. This is What have you done, Margaret? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, the, I am willing to let my kids cry mm-hmm. for a while. Usually we, they, they, uh, they do have a bedtime. The girls, we try to get them to bed at 7 um or thereabouts uh with some flexibility because uh, i like to go out and do things sometimes and not everything ends at seven you know before 7 p.m um so but that's like the goal bedtime um, and francis does go to sleep by herself in her crib it takes her a while she usually hates it but we will let her cry um 
and then our, there's a few challenges for us. She doesn't have her own space to sleep. Like there is a room that could work, but it's very cold in there. Um, and we live in Milwaukee, uh, and it's you know just getting colder this week. So so she usually sleeps in our room, um, and then she sees us. Um, so what we usually do, she goes to bed at 7. She usually wakes up around 11, which is when we would be going to bed. So she hears us, she wakes up. I feed her then and then try to get her back down to bed as quickly as possible. But sometimes she ends up sleeping in our bed, um, which I'm fine with, uh, but I'd prefer her to not be in our bed. Usually it's just because it, I'm tired and I don't want to stand back up again is why she ends up sleeping in our bed. Or if she falls asleep, I don't want to move her and wake her because then she might throw a fit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If we were staying with you, I'll tell you honestly, what we would do in this case is, I'm sorry, your older child's name is Margot? Violet. Violet, okay. So, so Violet, we would, we would, we would have Violet have a sleepover in your room. <laughs> we would mm-hmm. make sure that that's okay before we would agree to agree to work with you to make sure that we could ensure success. So, part of setting you up for success is getting getting clear all the logistical and the emotional obstacles that are going on. So, crying is scary. Um, there are all kinds of fears that come with letting your baby cry. It's like your baby going to be damaged. Um, you know, are, is she really suffering because she has a need and we're not listening to her need or not attending to her needs? So, so the first thing that I would say is like, you know, have Violet have a sleepover in your room for a few nights. We would plan to sleep train um, your baby in, in, in Violet's room so that the two of them would be sleeping together in the same room. We'd make sure that she had a full crib in there as well. Um, and then after she sleep trained, we would be there for nights and days working on naps in the nighttime. First with the bed, like bedtime, she falls asleep really well. But then it's what do we do in the middle of the night? If we were there, we would be coaching you through the whole process. And if she really needed a feed in the middle of the night because she still needs that for nutrition or you feel like you want that, to maintain your breastfeeding goals or whatever whatever mm-hmm. it is that you want, we would support that. So if you so when she wakes up in the middle of the night, we would be coaching you about what needs to be done. Does anything need to be done? Mm-hmm. Or is it okay to just leave her for a little bit to settle herself back down? We would be watching her behavior to make sure that she was okay. And um, and if she is okay, we would encourage you to just hold back. If we think that she pooped or something is wrong, of course, we'd go in and check. But we wouldn't go in every three minutes or five minutes or ten minutes because I find that that actually is even more upsetting for babies. And those are like the horror stories that you hear of families who are sleep training for weeks and then finally the baby throws up and then they give up and it just sounds horrible. Um, I would Mm -hmm. give up too if that were what I were doing. But when we stay with families, we get it all done in a few days. We stay, we stay 24-7. Wow. We work on bedtime. We, we ensure the baby knows how to fall back to sleep in the middle of the night because, shocker, we all wake up in the middle of the night. There is no such thing uh-huh. as sleeping through. So we're giving her space to learn how to fall back asleep in the middle of the night and doing the same thing consistently for naps. So it's kind of like boot camp, <laughs> a gentle yeah. boot, boot camp, camp for, babies. for babies to learn to sleep over a four-day period. How and does that sound it. to you, Margaret? That sounds very nice. So how to like I don't I don't 
think she has needs typically in the middle of the night. I think she just really likes me and wants to spend time with me and wants to nurse. Um, yeah. Because it's comforting. And that's, and that's uh, really sweet. It's just a matter of, does that work for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, every once in a while it's okay because I work full time. And so like I do like to snuggle, but I would give that up for sleep <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would absolutely give that up for sleep and just keep it to daytime. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, you can I still think... maintain your breastfeeding relationship and your breastfeeding goals and mm-hmm. sleep train as well. They're not, they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Is sleep training yeah. somewhat controversial, Natalie? Are there some people who are just absolutely against this? Absolutely. They're real haters. Why? Um, because um, some people believe it's wrong to leave your baby to cry for even more than a second. Um, and that you might psychologically damage your baby if you leave them to cry for more than a few minutes. Um, this is based on a doctor named Dr. Sears, who um, very popular pediatrician um, who has eight children and his wife is an RN. And he put out a book called The Baby Book that scared a lot of people about sleep training. Um, He put um, false evidence (laughs) that it psychologically traumatizes children by, by, by first of all, saying you should never sleep train a baby because your baby will grow up to be emotionally damaged, that your attachment will be broken, that if you want an emotionally secure baby, you should carry your baby at all times. You should nurse on demand twenty four seven. Wow! You should co sleep, and then if you don't, is he the one who's doing all this, damaged. or it's his wife? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's Good both question. of them. Wow! It's both of them. So no, no. He, so he's not nursing throughout the night. Uh-huh. Of course, he's going to work and being the pediatrician. Yeah. His uh-huh. wife is the one who's nursing eight babies, and they're all in the family bed. Um, in the bed? What? He had a sort of a cult following that really spread amongst. Um, amongst people of my generation of of Gen Xers who felt um, that their parents were emotionally detached. So I actually have kind of a funny question um, in that regard as well. When it comes to uh, sleeping in a bed with your baby, I I had some friends of mine um, who have a two-year-old now Uh, And they had a really scary experience recently. Um, A a very close friend of the family, their their baby died in the middle of the night. And um, it turned out to be SIDS, but for a while they weren't certain if it was because the baby was sleeping in the bed with the mother and was somehow restricted of breathing. So I've heard through a lot of channels and I've experienced, you know, my friends having this panic when a friend of the family's baby died. Is is having your baby sleep in your bed with you, is it more of a hazard than a benefit? It's it's definitely dangerous. <laughs> it's not recommended by the American Academy of Pediatricians. It is, um, I mean, from in the medical profession, it's frowned on because it, it increases the rates of SIDS. Um, particularly for newborns, I wouldn't be necessarily so worried about a two-year-old. But, um, you know, because a two-year-old can sit up and move and get rid of a pillow. Yeah, no, but, the, um, the baby who died was an infant. Yeah, I, I, know, I know babies who have been lost 
in that same situation. And this is also part of why I want to help parents, not because like, oh, I'm afraid your baby's unsafe, but kind of, yeah, because your baby's unsafe (laughs) and you are unsafe if you're surviving on two or three hours of sleep. I know what that feels like right you're you're actually legally drunk Mm -hmm. (laughs) your brain chemistry Mm -hmm. does not work um Mm -hmm. i want to save families from that and from you know babies from feeling that uh, exhausted but yeah definitely co-sleeping with infants is dangerous and not recommended but monica i will say that that's also really controversial people who support it support it strongly um, you know and, people like that, Margaret? Oh, I have a lot of friends who do that. And honestly, if I were not married to the person I'm married to, I would pro- – like, if like Alex, my husband was really concerned about that, I was not. I would absolutely have co-slept because I didn't want to get out of the bed and move. Like, it's really hard when, you know, you have an infant and they fall asleep and you know that if you put them in their bed, they're going to wake up. And then you can't sleep. But if you keep them sleeping next to you and you fall asleep, then you're worried about them. So it's like, it, it, so then you try to lay there awake so that they get their nap. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really like, because I've talked to friends about this, like how do they co-sleep and they have their systems for doing it. Um, and with Francis, well, both girls, I was pretty nervous when they were very young, just because of what you were talking about with it's like being legally drunk. You know, like a lot of times when people have, Milwaukee's a city that has very, really high rates of infant mortality. Um, and a lot of times there's a situation where there's some kind of um, drug or alcohol involved. Um, but sleep deprivation falls into that category in my mind mm-hmm. uh when you know when my girls were really newborns it was like being intoxicated so i didn't trust myself to wake up when they were older i would have had violet sleep with us but she didn't want to francis wants to um so it's kind of a different situation and she's very noisy like there there's been a time where i don't know what happened if like a blanket was over her or something happened and she started screaming really loudly so I was like oh that's good to know (laughs) that this is the reaction that she had you know um but yeah there's people who love it um I I kind of fall in the middle do you have anything else you want to say about that Natalie because I also want to understand about your business model in terms of mommy wise because I know you started in New York City and you gave us a little background of, of how you did this to help people, and then you re- really understood there was an important business model for that. But now uh, I know you're you're national; that you have people around the country that you have trained and are doing this all over the place. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> hmm. Well, tell us about that. How'd that happen? Um, well, it, it it actually happened because I just couldn't handle all of the business. I needed to share the work with people here. I needed to train other people here to help me to serve all the families who are coming to me. Um, And once I started training people, then more people started asking me to train them. So uh, I started offering annual trainings with uh, my team in Orlando. And I've been doing that for the last few years. And I'm really very selective about who I train. 
um, so that I'm really spreading the knowledge around the country and I'm not oversaturating markets in each city. I want each woman to be able to learn how to sleep train all the babies, but not also to be in competition with one another, but to support one another, you know, from state to state. So when I receive business now, like I have, I have an inquiry in Milwaukee, <laughs> uh, and one more in Oklahoma or Nashville. I don't know. I just got a, in, in another random city, but unfortunately I've trained people in all these places so I can send them there. Hmm. Um, and the people who contact us are the one who want this, right? They're not the people who believe in cold sleeping. Um, they don't, they are usually professionals and they really need to be able to function. Mm-hmm. A lot of the women who come to me particularly relate to my story because they've also had some sort of for, uh, postpartum depression or just real extreme difficulty um, with sleep training and they they knew they needed support and coming to their home was the, was the solution for them. And what's the difference so between, and what you are is you, you you send people into someone's home, like you said, that they're staying there for, you know, 24 hours a day for a couple of days. What's the difference between that and a doula, for example? Uh, good question. So there are many different kinds of doulas. There, there's a birth, there's birth doula who's there during the labor and there's postpartum doulas. Um, there are all kinds of other doulas as well, end of life doulas, but the mm-hmm. postpartum doulas are the ones who go home with families from the hospital. Um, and they stay for periods of time after after the birth. They might help the family with just getting to know the baby and um, helping them learn how to bathe. And re- they really do transformative work. But in the beginning, you can't spoil a newborn. <laughs> you know, they help them with lactation. They help them around the house sometimes with meals and laundry and, and you know, or just you just go take a nap and I'll take care of the baby or they'll stay overnight. Um, and you know, bring the baby to the mom to nurse in the middle of the night so she doesn't have to get up every couple of hours. Takes a um, village. <laughs> so that's a postpartum yeah. doula. I actually hire postpartum doulas. Those are the only women that I train. I only train women, and I only have women on my team who already have advanced training as either postpartum doulas. Some of them are also previously birth doulas. Um, but in particular, they have a lot of experience already in postpartum care and newborn care. So they understand about feeds, feeding requirements. They understand about just sort of basic general health. And they're, they're used to being in, in families' homes during emotional times. I often take meals to people either before they have babies or after they have babies. And I have a number of people that feel similarly and supported us as well. Mm-hmm. And part of this, maybe, Natalie, is that um, because people live all over the country now, that they might not have the kind of family mm-hmm. support that Margaret had and, and maybe many, many years ago when people didn't move so much was well, more traditional. Even Margaret's family is a little far away from her, but she's fortunate enough to have such a large family that there's plenty of people to help. Right. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that part of what's going on, Natalie? That you see in New York, absolutely nobody's family is here, mm-hmm. <laughs> or if they are yeah. here, they're mm-hmm. very busy professionals who like just hands off grandparents, <laughs> mm. um, yeah, or they're snowbirds and they live in Florida and you know are too busy playing tennis. Um, Yikes! <laughs> there's just no, there's no, there's no village anymore. But this is a this is a problem 
in the entire industrial world, um, but primarily here, since this country is very much career focused. And um, yeah, so people move around now to get jobs and they're not around their family and there's no, there's no village. So that's part of what the doula work is. That's part of what, um, part of what I do is to, you know, bring back that village to really support people through some of the most difficult times where aunties and grandmothers and, you know, and people in still in other countries still do that where they surround the mother with uh, physical mm-hmm. and emotional support. Well, we don't have a lot of time left here, but uh, I, I wanted to acknowledge the fact that I have known both of these guests, Margaret and Natalie, from the time they were very, very young girls. Uh, Margaret, because she is another one of my nieces and knew her from the time she was a baby and uh, knew Natalie from the time she was, I think you were about four years old when your mom and I got to be friends and I was living in your household. Isn't that right, Natalie? Mm. That is correct. And what I remember are both of you were very uh, strong personality girls, very independent, very unique, very interesting girls from a very young age. And and that's true of Monica, too. (laughs) Except I'm not a mom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how can people get in touch with Mommy Wise? We're interested. Well, my website is the best place. Okay. Um, it's it's mommywise.com, M-O-M-M-Y-W-I-S-E.com. And um, that's the best way. There are different forms you can click to contact me, <laughs> or you can email me directly um, at natalie at mommywise.com. Oh, that's great. And um, Margaret, you want to weigh in here? Anything uh, you'd like to say before well, we go? I- I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a big question, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about what the cost is um, for Good something question. like this, uh, especially, if, you know, yeah, if it's going to keep people so that they can serve a couple families a month. Yeah. Um, well, it yeah. depends on where you are located in New York mm-hmm. City, in New York City and, and, and most of the coastal cities. I mean, it's a big investment. We charge between 6000 and 7500 but what it, our service includes is the guarantee that it'll work forever. We include a month of unlimited follow-up support to make sure that you never need us again. Um, because you're a second-time parent, you wouldn't, need, you wouldn't need the bigger package, just a smaller package would be fine. Um, mm-hmm. And, and in, in other cities, though, it's, it, it might be half of the cost of what we, cha- what we charge here in the big cities, um, just because our cost of living, living is very different. Before we being... close, I wanted to mention uh, the women's marches that took place all over the U.S. yesterday. Uh, AJ and I attended the march in Detroit, and dis- uh, despite the snowstorm, <laughs> it was my first time. AJ's a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about that? I thought it was really interesting. It it was really fun to see the people who turned out. The diversity in particular was very interesting to me. Um, it it had a lot of anger, I think, in mm-hmm. a fair way. I think productive it had, anger. Yes, and I think it had a lot of community, like who came together through, you know feeling injustice had been done uh, done to them mm-hmm. and i thought that that was really inspiring to see that there could be movement on these type of topics 
Right. Well, I attended the first Women's March in Washington two years ago, and um, that was obviously a very, very big event that happened around the United States and around the world. Um, but but yesterday here in Detroit, I also interviewed a lot of um, women and men and people of all ages who were at the event. So we're going to do a powering up episode about that that will be coming up soon. And uh, one of the best quotes of the day, there were a lot of them, but one I really remembered was they said, you need to connect with people who empower you. Mm-hmm. And certainly these two people we were talking today are all about that, yes. right? some strong mm-hmm. ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me, Anne. All right. Thanks, everybody. So have a good week, everybody. I'm Ann Doyle. And I'm Monica Doyle. And let's all go power, power up. up. Thanks for joining us at Powering Up. We hope you'll subscribe and share us with your network. Monica and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page or at Doyle LDR on Twitter. And remember, power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and then put it to work. <laughs>